Even in winter, she had freckles, more than handfuls. A constellation spread across her cheeks as she sat at the next desk, her pencil held perfectly. Her mouth was always half open, lips pressed forwards into the air a few millimeters closer to the chalkboard in our lesson. She wore a short green dress, a sort of jumper, with yellow brick-brack on the edges, Mary Jane's and white socks, her auburn hair in a soft bob, edges flying in the air whenever I poked her, bothered her, or disturbed her silence. She would turn to me, not angry like the other girls. No, she had grace. I hounded her for the whole year, hoping to secretly hold her hand in mine, maybe put my arm around her tiny shoulder, or feel her warm breath on my ear as she whispered something wise or funny to me, only me. In spring, we took a field trip to a prison, the walls thick with layers of lime green paint. They closed the door on us as we stood behind the bars for a minute or two. She stared at me once that afternoon, a slow and silent exchange, two eight-year-olds scared out of their minds. Later, we ate our brown bag lunches on some grass, the sun pushing through the trees and splashing across our legs, the thought of that prison cell already evaporating. When we graduated, she was already in a different class. Sixth grade ended with some free ice cream and a school bus full of kids juiced up on sugar and chocolate, tearing our notebooks into shards of makeshift confetti, whipping papers in the air and out the windows. I never saw her again. She had freckles, more than handfuls, a constellation. So many years later, she had become a nurse and a mother, living in New Orleans. The front door bangs open one night, a man with a gun, a robbery, and she was shot right there. I saw a picture of her daughter. She looks just like her. I'm Marco, and this is Songbird. In this episode, we're talking about Mascara, track nine on Heaven Get Behind Me. Who do we live for? Ourselves? Our children? Our brothers? Our sisters? If we know we're going to die, what choices do we make about how and when we meet this moment? Will we go out kicking and screaming, or will we find some grace? And who gets to decide, us or someone that cares about us, maybe more than we do? That's a lot of questions. (laughs) It's going to take a while to unpack them, and I'm not promising any big answers. 
but it's what I was thinking about when I wrote this song. I had just watched this brutally honest video with a man on death row, and he expressed great remorse for the murders he had committed. And he also made no excuses as to why they'd happened and that his punishment was completely correct, that he was going to get what he deserved. But at the same time, his sister visited him often and begged him to fight, begged him to appeal and to delay his execution. And he talked about how hard it was to consider doing this for himself and not for her. But she'd done nothing wrong and that she just loved him no matter what. So the mascara in the song is hers. And it ran every Sunday. Maybe it still does. The lyrics came first on this one, well before any chords or melodies. And my first try was with an open tuning and you know, there was some kind of interesting blues lines in it, but okay, you're about to hear the most terrible demo I could possibly share with you. I mean, I cannot sing in it. I am, I can't find the melody or the notes. It's just a complete struggle. This was not working, but I am going to share this with you, warts and all. All right, let's give a little listen to this humiliating first demo. told you it was rough. Some things cannot be forced. I kept those lyrics close and I just held out for a solution. And then I remembered something my friend Felix told me. It's never a bad idea to do one song on an album on piano. Uh, God bless you, Felix. I did play keyboards in some various bands when I was young enough to know some basic stuff and enough to be able to sing and play at the same time, but nothing more. 
So I sat down and I did my best to transpose some of the chords from that first guitar-driven demo. And then I just started to simplify things and just letting the lyrics come to the foreground. This was my mantra for so much of this album. And yes, I need to get past that. I should not repeat that plan for the next album. But for this one, it felt fine. And I knew I was going to build the track out with other instruments. So the piano just became an anchor, a way to keep time and give the song a skeleton. I'm doing something I did in track five, the letter reader on this one, shifting back and forth between different points of view, taking both sides of a conversation and turning them into a verse. They don't kill them in Nevada unless they agree. I ain't going to court to help you die. I want some relief. When you combine the dialogue like that, you kind of smush it into one bit of eavesdropping. When you listen to all this through the wall, they kind of become one thing. And I know maybe none of this is obvious, that's fine, but that is how I got there. The lyrics stayed, but the melody changed. Or maybe it just found a good home. I could sing it now. And it felt so cold, so catatonic even at times. But I'm telling you, the guy in that interview, he spoke so calmly, so measured, and not like a robot. I mean, there was plenty of emotion and thought in what he said, but it was so smooth and so even. And that was how I found myself singing it. And I felt like it was a complete mistake as much as a good idea. But I took a leap of faith and said, let's just let it be like this. And I thought it might be better to be wrong and just to be completely mistaken than to liven it up. This was such a dark, dark story. I didn't want to smell Las Vegas from a million miles away when I performed it. To be frank, I've often felt like this is one of the lesser tracks on the album. And it deserved to be there for the words, but the rest of it could be seen as maybe kind of half-baked. But you know, the one thing I love is to be wrong. I've had people talk to me at length about this track and how it hit them so hard. And maybe it's the production and the instruments that stirred all of this up in them. But I'm very respectful of the fact that I just make decisions based on gut instinct. And even when I think I am quite possibly wrong, I just might be right. <laughs> Go figure. Here's the second demo, now on piano. In the rain That's just you On a Sunday I ain't looking Looking for mercy Take as long As you I'd be just as happy 
they take me out back It's time for me to pay the price I like living outside They could shoot me down, yeah. I ended up doing that low-tech overdub thing again, right into the mic on my laptop. Some harmonica, little harmony vocal... And I just built it out a little just to see if, you know, the boat was going to hold any water. And fingers crossed, it felt like it was finding its own shape. Tell them good story. Walk out on that story. That ain't mascara in the rain. That's just you on a Sunday. I ain't looking, looking for mercy. Take as long as you need. Take as long as you need. So four times in this song, we hear this refrain. That ain't mascara in the rain. That's just you on a Sunday. And the repetition is not just a song structure rules that I'm following. It's very intentional. I wanted to break up these chunks of conversation with this constant. Every Sunday, she cries. And maybe every Sunday is the day she visits him. Or maybe every Sunday is the anniversary of his death. We never know. They repeat like a wheel turning, like planets revolving around the sun. They're predictable, and they always come back. So that's how I started the song, and that's how I ended the song. And maybe that's heavy-handed, or maybe it's just her. You have to tell me.
Some songs you go to record full of confidence and they come out flat because you killed them on the way in. Other songs, you just throw your hands up in the air and you hope for the best. And this was one of those. I try to remain cautiously optimistic and just keep my head down, do the work. Because anything can happen when you sit down on the day to make that final recording. Who you are on that day as opposed to the one before and the one way back when you wrote it. A lot has happened in between and you need to find that song again from scratch. I think I did three full sessions on the final, just voice and piano, and I scrapped the first two. This was a beast. But I wanted to do that man right, and his sister. Production-wise, I brought in some harmonica and a little bit of guitar. And it was time to bring back the horns. So we had an ocean of horns on track four, California Divorce, and this one. But these horns are more like a New Orleans second line. And I'll bet that some of you kind of think you know what a second line is, and some of you have no idea what a second line is. I'm going to read this. It's from the New York Times. The second line is a type of parade historically associated with jazz funerals. The term second line is often thought originally to have referred to the secondary group of participants in such a parade behind the band and the family. There's also some sound design again in this one, but I want that to be a surprise, so we'll talk about that after you hear the final track. All right, here goes. That ain't mascara in the rain. That's just you on a Sunday. I ain't looking, looking for mercy. Take as long as you need. I'd be just as happy if they take me out back. It's time for me. Shoot me right here 
Just you That screen door that opens and slowly slams shut halfway through, I knew that was his favorite sound, something he would miss so much, the sound of someone leaving and the sound of someone coming home. A door closes so a window can open. I'll say that was part of it. And there is something so wonderful about putting a great big pause in the middle of a song, because everyone thinks it's over, and maybe in the, someone in the audience claps. But no, <laughs> you come back bigger. You've got more to say. And I think that was pretty unexpected. With a song this simple, you gotta pull a couple of rabbits out of the hat. I loved recording those horns. There are seven tracks of them. I went to New Orleans when I was 21, 
And I just loved it there so much. It wasn't like New York. It wasn't about who played better or worse. You played or you listened. And you got drunk or you didn't drink anything. But everybody had a good time and they made sure of that. You could do your laundry and there would be a trio playing in the laundromat, which also happened to be a bar. And then you're playing pool while your shirts are drying. It's just a completely magical place. And maybe that's because they just stick to what really matters there. You play with heart, you eat with heart, you live with heart. And yeah, sometimes someone dies. And you join the parade. That's what I learned. And that's what got me to that second line. In his final moments, he was not alone. In the end, he's surrounded by these big, messy, honest sounds. Some dude standing on a chair, playing an old saxophone in Moscow in the middle of the afternoon, trying to do him some poetic justice. That is the world I live in. It's a hell of a horn, by the way. It was made in Paris in 1929. It's a Selmer. They don't make them like that anymore. One of a kind. But that's another story. Maybe for season two. I ain't going to court to help you die. I want some relief. I want them to know the same joy. Tell them a good story. Then walk out on that story. That ain't mascara in the rain. That's just you on a Sunday. songbirds it's that part at the end where i tell you where you can find us we're on all your favorite podcasting platforms or you could just go to songbirdpodcast.com that's where all the show notes are if you like this track and you'd like to listen to or buy the album we're on bandcamp spotify itunes amazon all you have to do is search for martin ruby that's the band name or heaven get behind me and you'll find us. Let's give a shout out to Bunky Hunt of Whistlepig Records, all the way over in Motor City. Next time on Songbird, a monster, two brothers, and the myth of Shangri-La. Thanks for listening.